Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, November 20th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news and try to answer some of your questions at the mailbag. Uh, this is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Writers, Y-Tran Bowie. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Now, uh, alert listeners might notice that we have not had a water cooler this week. That's because a bunch of our... Uh, our staff is traveling or and or sick and uh, we're hoping to have our regular water cooler segment of the week tomorrow but if not we will have it on monday of next week uh so you can look out for it then um but let's jump into the news and th- as i predicted my prediction came true guys i mean i i am a psychic the news slowed down to like a really like, like almost a halt we, we we have very little to go on here but uh but we'll try to make the most out of it and then we'll we'll get uh we'll jump into the, the bag of mail um but let's start off first with the idea that mark hamill pitched george lucas for boba fett uh when uh when it, <laughs> the first movies came out uh chris tell us about this Oh uh, yeah, this almost sounds like it's a joke, but uh, Mark Hamill confirmed it's real unless he's <laughs> playing a really long game with this joke. But according to him, uh, he originally pitched the idea that Boba Fett would be Luke's mother in, in the films. And that that was a way to top Vader being Luke's father. Uh, and he even pitched this idea to George Lucas. And uh, as we all know, George Lucas did not go for this so boba fett did not turn out to be luke's mother in disguise i don't know to me this sounds like an incredible idea chris <laughs> if the helmet came <laughs> off and it was if boba fett was luke skywalker's mom i'm, I'm kidding sure this, this is not a, a incredible idea ht what, what, what do you think of this idea this sounds like a joke to me are we sure mark hamill wasn't joking that's that's what i said but i i really don't know it seems like this is something he really pitched at the time so huh. you know th- i mean keep in mind that he probably pitched this after what like empire strikes back yeah i'm assuming it was after empire because that's when the twist was with uh vader 
Mm. And we had only known that uh, Boba Fett was going after Han Solo at that time. We we didn't really. I mean, I guess we, that's that's all we knew, right? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, other than I like me liking the idea of Boba Fett turning out to be a, a woman, which would have been a very cool reveal uh, for all the people who uh, unexplicably, inexplicably like worship Boba Fett as a character. <laughs> um, that would have been a cool one. But I, yeah, this idea sounds bad um yeah yeah i i i, I also vote uh chris did, did you like this idea no this is dumb uh but <laughs> you, you know you never know maybe they would have found a way to make it really clever back then but uh as a, you know it should go without saying boba fett as he is now is pretty dumb there's nothing to that character so this at least would have this at least would have given him some sort of backstory or i guess her some sort of backstory but uh, yeah, overall, this is not a great idea. We're really running low on news, if you can't tell, guys. Let's just move on to our next story, uh, and that is that Aquaman, uh, the majority of Aquaman will be presented in full-screen IMAX. HD, tell us about it. Yeah, so Aquaman director James Wan confirmed that almost 90% of the movie will be in full IMAX aspect ratio. Uh, this was in response to a question from a fan on Twitter who asked if there are any scenes in the full aspect ratio, uh, which is the sort of crisp high resolution ratio without the black bars that you see um, in most films. And uh, James Wan responded, roughly 90%, nearly the whole movie, seriously. So this will be a big... Um, portion of the film and probably one of the biggest uh, portions of, of a blockbuster film that's shot in uh, with IMAX technology uh, we've seen well, it's, it's not few... shot with IMAX it's being oh, presented um, IMAX ra- aspect ratio yeah I should uh, I've seen Aquaman I can say that I cannot say what I thought of the movie I'm wondering can I say what I because t- uh, James Wan was there after the screening I had a conversation with him that's relevant to this, and I'm wondering if it's something I could talk about. I, Do it. Oh, fuck Go it. for yeah, it. Okay, I'm going for it. Uh, Dangerously. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> we were uh, talking about this because he brought up that he did not shoot the movie in IMAX. I did not see it in IMAX, but I was commenting that it might be interesting to see the movie in 3D because it has a lot of kind of interesting you know whatever and he was like he brought this up he said that uh he did not shoot the movie in imax but during the editing process he realized that well first of all like 90 percent of the movie is kind of cg in some way like you know mm-hmm. if it's under the water or whatever so they're rend- they could render you know that extra room for the imax ratio very easy and he basically decided in the post-production process to make it an imax movie and huh. uh, apparently there's some kind of clever way to get into it uh, or how it, you know, the screen expands and stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I will not ruin that. Not that I even saw that. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually interested to see it in IMAX because I'm actually a fan of these IMAX releases when, when it is actually a majority of the film and not just like a scene or two or when you have Michael Bay and it's like, you know, every other shot just changes inexplicably in, in uh, between the two aspect ratios. Um, and, uh, I mean, what do you guys think? Like, are, are you a fan of seeing movies that have the, the larger aspect ratio? I am equally bothered. I'm also bothered by uh, changing aspect ratios in movies. While I do like how like 
beautiful and and uh, stunning these IMAX sequences look, it does sometimes you know, take me out of the movie when like we see one big action sequence in IMAX and then suddenly we cut to a scene with the aspect ratio smaller again. So I would, I would rather have like one aspect ratio. Um, and I would like to see maybe how James Wan like pulls this off and like, if it, if it, um, is like streamlined into the movie, as you said, it is. Yeah. Chris, what about you? Are you a fan of the larger aspect ratio? Uh, yeah, it depends on how it's done. I think Christopher Nolan is really good at uh, exploiting this. He's very good at um, opening up big sequences. He doesn't really he doesn't really cut back and forth. He does this thing where it'll be one long sequence in IMAX, and then it'll cut back to the regular aspect ratio. So when it's done like that, I don't mind it. But if it's done like back and forth, it, it can get a little distracting. So, so what you're saying is you uh, Christopher Nolan plans things out. Yes, he's he's good at his job, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, um, let's move on to... Uh, we were talking about uh, ridiculous ideas with Mark Hamill in Star Wars, and uh, Sylvester Stallone uh, revealed his original idea for Rocky III, uh, which involved hanging out with the Pope. Chris, what is going on here? Yeah, so this is actually an archival interview. This interview is from 1979, but no one has really noticed it for some reason so at the time stallone first of all he said that rocky 3 would be the final rocky movie he even says in this interview there there will never be a rocky 4 and we all know how that turned out <laughs> to, to be not true but he also said his idea for the film would have involved um rocky's final fight taking place in the roman Colosseum, and also the pope is there uh which would be pope john paul ii at the time so uh, this obviously didn't happen. There is no Pope. There is no Roman Coliseum in Rocky Three, but this was an idea uh, Rocky had. Um, Rocky Sylvester Stallone had, and you know he he saw it as you know Rocky being like the last the last gladiator battling it out in the Roman Coliseum, and you know I, I can see a sort of thematic way of doing that. Uh, I'm not really sure where the Pope would have fit in. I, I almost <laughs> wish like the Pope had what? climbed into the ring and tag teamed gets over there mr t i guess rocky and the pope fighting mr t but i don't know wait does, does the pope even go to like boxing matches <laughs> not the real pope but anything goes in the rocky universe where as we all With know the fake it, pope yes it, it, as we all know in rocky 4 rocky ends communism with boxing so anything yeah. really goes in the rocky universe well i mean he he could always save this idea for creed 3 we could have the Roman Colosseum and the Pope in Creed Three, right? That's right. We could have well, the Francis I mean, actually would seem like he would attend a, bo a boxing match too. Yeah, he, he's the he's the hip new Pope, so I could see him being in Creed Three, where Michael B. Jordan goes to meet the Pope for some reason. Okay, so if this um, Luke Skywalker's mom being Boba Fett wasn't ridiculous enough. If uh, Rocky Three taking place uh, alongside the Pope wasn't ridiculous enough, we have learned that they are making a great Gatsby origin TV series uh, with a young, hot, mixed-age Gatsby. Uh, H.J., what is going on here? Yeah, so there is going to be a great Gatsby origin series that's being developed at YouTube Premium, and it's called Gats. 
So it reimagines uh, the tragic figure in the F. Scott Fitzgerald novel as a mixed-race man based on some academic theories that posit that Jay Gatsby was actually mixed-race um, in uh, Fitzgerald's book. So this will be an origin story that is apparently retelling through uh, a lens of uh, the, the cultural lens of the Harlem Renaissance at the time. Uh, it's being developed by... Um, uh, SC Sansevieri, and uh, it's currently in the works at YouTube Premium. Um, and yeah, it's an origin story, which kind of defeats the purpose of the book itself, which is an indictment of the fallacy of the American dream. And um, don't know how they'll actually make this into a TV series, or will you know stretch out his uh, his origin over the course of a TV series. But my bet is that he will be a hot young Gatsby who fucks and maybe <laughs> solves mysteries. Uh, are, you, are you excited about this, HJ? I, yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, I actually, I'm kind of intrigued by the mixed race angle. I don't know what this academic theory is, but um, it kind of makes sense in the context of the book. But I just don't know how I feel about an origin story because it feels like it defeats the purpose of the book itself and of the message of um, Fitzgerald's book. So um, I and uh, I don't know, man. So one of our readers wrote in, and in the PS of his email, he included a flowchart for responses Chris has to questions but announcements of projects no one asked for. And the flowchart flow goes, Peter asks Chris how he feels about this news. Chris sighs loudly, and then Chris gives a, a pained but thoughtful explanation. So, Chris, are you excited for Gatsby Who Fucks? Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I like the idea of a show about the Harlem Renaissance. Like, that's a neat idea. I just don't want it to be this because it, it, it really does defeat the whole point of the great Gatsby. And Gatsby even tells everyone, not everyone, but he tells us his origin story in the book. It's not like it's a secret. So I don't, this just sounds like a bunch of executives were like, what's a recognizable property? Uh, great Gatsby. Perfect. We'll do that. And I'd rather just make a, a, a original show about, the Harlem Renaissance, like make something like the Nick, like that wasn't based on any properties. That was just a show set in the past and it was great, you know, do something like that instead. But that's me who, you know, I'm not a successful executive and this is probably why. The the other thing I don't get is like, okay, the, the reason to adapt something would be because the story is good and it's going to connect with new audience, but they're not adapting. They're kind of basically just using that name to do a prequel story they, they're trying to use that brand name to, to attract people in but this is for youtube premium so this is uh for young millennials who <laughs> i'm judging a whole group here but i'm, Maybe I'm guessing i'm guessing most of these uh, the majority of these people probably have more relation to gatsby in relation to the uh, the the movie with leo than actually reading the book so i'm wondering are people going to actually be interested in this HD? I know you are a resident millennial, <laughs> but you're actually, you know, a book reading millennial. So. I am. Oh, I did actually have to read this book in high school, and I think a majority of people did, uh, I hope. Yeah, see. Um, the, but, that, um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if people... So they'll I be mean, interested in the thing that's based in the book that they were forced to read in, in school? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, the thing is, I don't think people are, like, 
are immediately drawn to the property despite you know the IP being very recognizable. I think that like what Chris is saying, the Harlem Renaissance um, angle is really interesting, and I watch I would watch a series about that. But maybe because Great Gatsby is something that everyone's read in high school, they know it. They'll be like, oh, is this something that's like an edgy version of Gatsby? Maybe they'll be interested. Or maybe it'll provide fodder for all the Great Gatsby parties that, you know, millennials and everyone likes to hold that also have nothing to do with the message of the book itself. Wait, there are Great Gatsby parties? Is that oh, thing? wait, you don't know this, Chris? No, this I'm too I guess, I'm too old. <laughs> It's one of the most popular, like, themed party themes in which you say that people say they're having a great Gatsby party, but it's only, like, vaguely 20s inspired. Does someone get shot at the end and fall in the pool? Is that how the party ends? Uh, <laughs> if only. <laughs> Guys, you, you just don't know Gats. That's going the, 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 to be the tagline. You, you thought you knew Gats. You didn't. Is it really called Gats? Is that really the name of the show? Yes. It's called oh, my God. <laughs> It's like ants with the Z at the end of. Yeah. Okay. I'm officially declaring the news for this week closed, and uh, let's open the mailbag. Let's uh, start with um, some responses. Uh, yesterday, we were talking about YouTube's ad-supported movies. They're offering a hundred movies from MGM that you can watch with ads. Uh, our Listener Don H writes in that Voodoo has been doing this for quite some time now. Something I didn't know. Uh, he says he's not sure how long, but he started getting marketing emails back in March of 2017, offering free TV shows with ads. They have over a thousand movies and TV shows to choose from, and they can and they change up the selection monthly. Now, Chris, I know you watch a lot of streaming services and stuff. Do you, do you use Voodoo? Did you know about this? Uh, I knew about it, but I intentionally didn't watch it. Don't watch it because I don't want the ads. Like I knew it had ads, and that's why I basically avoid it like the plague. Um, We, I also, uh, I think earlier this week, asked for some TV recommendations because I want some binge-worthy serial television, and we got a a lot of responses. I actually am only going to read a few of them here, or actually a handful of them here. Uh, But Jacob Chandler from Mississippi wrote in with the recommendation of Amazon Prime's Patriot. He says it's a dark comedy about U.S. spy coming to Luxembourg to interfere with the Iranian election. And as generic and uninteresting as that sounds, it's actually one of the better shows in the sad hitman genre. It's really quirky and very complex plot and a whole lot of ridiculousness somehow wrapped into a decent emotional struggle. Check it out for at least the first three episodes. If you don't like it, then you probably won't be able to get into it. Have either of you seen Patriot? I haven't heard of this. I don't think. Uh, I always see the, the ad for it when I go on to Amazon Prime, but I haven't watched it. I will have to check this out. Okay, so uh, Matt Y wrote in, and he's recommending um, Room 104. Uh, the first season from was from the Tupolis Brothers. Uh, zany and unexpected. Each half-hour episode takes place in the same nondescript motel room. Uh, the era of visitors and metaphysical rules are always different. The first season episodes split pretty evenly into a third of the episodes as junk, another third as good set, and a third of truly inspired storytelling. Uh, I'd recommend you check out episodes two, Pizza Boy, five, The Internet, and seven, 
the missionaries. Uh, season two is three episodes in and has been great. Last night, Michael Shannon played a Russian diplomat who sets up a date with a woman he met on the internet, played by Judy Greer. So uh, I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, Chris, I think you have seen this show, right? No, I haven't. I meant oh. to check it out because it sounds really cool, and I especially like that it attracts people like Michael Shannon and Judy Greer. I just have yet to get around to seeing it. Yeah, uh, this kind of defies my definition of what I was looking for serialized, uh, uh, you know, a serialized show, but uh, I love the Duplass Brothers, so uh, I don't know why I haven't given this a chance yet. HD, have you watched it? I haven't. I've heard of it, though. Yeah, it's an anthology series, right? Yeah. And so it's really intriguing, but I never got the chance to check it out. Maybe I will. It, it kind of, uh, the idea kind of reminds me of that, um, what was that movie that Quentin Tarantino was part of? That four rooms four rooms yeah 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 and uh i think only one of those was good right yeah the tarantino one was the only real good one. Oh, i guess the um the robert rodriguez one was pretty good oh yeah yeah that was before he went downhill um, yes <laughs> okay uh fred from chattanooga tennessee writes in uh that I should check out six feet under which i have seen the shield which i've seen part of the nick the uh, show that's directed by steven soderbergh he calls fantastic and uh, the underrated Banshee, another fantastic show. Uh, Madman leftovers, Deadwood. We got a lot of these kind of emails that just like had a list of of shows, and it's just like hard to read these on the air. So I'm, I'm reading that one just to to mention that fact. Uh, Roger writes in that uh, I should check out one of the greatest sci-fi shows of all time, Babylon Five. It's free on Amazon Prime. The first season is a tad slow build, but it's just incredible, and you might want to check out The Misfits. It's on Hulu right oh, now. Oh, Misfits is really good. Um, at least the first two seasons are, but then it kind of loses its original cast and isn't as fun. But that's a really great superhero, um, like kind of sexy superhero teen uh, UK show. I like it a lot. Yeah, I watched the first season of that, and I really liked it. I'm not sure why I didn't keep going uh, has anybody here watched Babylon 5? No. No. Yeah, that's a gap in my sci-fi television. Um, and I feel like if I went back to it right now, it would be, it would feel too dated, probably. <laughs> um, Sean from Missouri writes in suggesting that I should watch X-Files or The Gilmore Girls, um, which I'm, I'm guessing both of those shows, I mean, from what I've seen of X-Files, that's very episodic. I know there's a narrative over the entire thing, but it's very thin, right? Like, Oh, that reminds me, Peter. Actually, have you seen Fringe? I have seen Fringe. I've watched okay. the whole Fringe. Fringe is good. Fringe. That, that was quite episodic as well, though. It was episodic, but then yeah. it, once they decided to just kind of lean completely into their sci-fi like, um, uh, roots, they yeah. basically went to like, alternate reality. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, once they got to like season four three or four or five or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, I hate these like people that recommend something. They're like, well, you have to sit through the slow first season. That's not good. But <laughs> like, I, I just can't. I, I just can't sit through, you know, 12 or 24 episodes of something to get to the good part. Um, also, uh, Errol L writes in from Los Angeles or Louisiana. I'm not sure. Um, and he uh, writes in a few suggestions. Banshee. 
He says he would argue it's the greatest action television show ever made. The fight scenes throughout the show get progressively more insane and unbelievable in the best ways. The only thing I'll say is you need to get over the initial premise and you can do that. Uh, you will have so much fun with the show. The final season not only was chosen to end by the creator instead of being canceled, brings everything home in a truly best way it all can. Has anybody seen Banshee here? No, but that's the second recommendation for Banshee. I don't know the show. Yeah. Uh, Rectifies another show he recommends. He says it's a bit of a slow burn, which makes me uh, peter out of not even wanting to read that recommendation. <laughs> I, wow. I, I don't have time for a slow burn these days. Okay, I'll read what he says. <laughs> he says a slow burn that will literally make you cry every episode, not for the reasons that Parenthood or This Is Us do. The dialogue and the uniqueness of the main character makes the show very much worth the time to invest. Chris, have you yeah, seen Dr. Vi? That sounds exhausting. Crying every episode. That's just gonna. <laughs> like, I've been wa- I've been watching that Netflix show Dogs, and I've been crying every episode, and I'm ready for bed after it ends. I can't imagine watching multiple seasons of that. Yeah. Have you ever seen Parenthood or Friday Night Lights? Uh no, I've never seen either. Everyone tells me to watch Friday Night Lights. Yeah, but Jacob I... yelled at us for not watching Friday Night Lights yeah. yet. It it's so good, and I I hate sports. I hate football. So it, it it's just. I don't know. But that's one of those shows that'll make you cry every episode. <laughs> um, uh, Man Seeking Woman is another show that he recommended. He says it's hilarious, unique sketch type show that also is able to be tied together in a coherent story from season to season. And again, I feel they choose to end the show in just perfect uh, points. Have either of you seen Man Seeking Woman? No, I don't watch a lot of sketch shows because I can't it I don't like the, you know, episodic sort of nature of it even more so because it's like short bits. Um, but it sounds like it has a coherent story as I said, so maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. Um Peter Freeman from Gainesville, Virginia writes in Ask uh, with the suggestion of person of interest. The show ran 5 seasons, stars Jim Cavell uh and uh Michael Emerson, uh, Jonathan Nolan was the showrunner. The first season was initially procedural uh, with an overarching storyline, but by season two, it became a full-blown serialized show. I believe it's available on Netflix. I watched the show for, like, I think two seasons, and I kind of gave up on it. It was too... Even when it was when you claim it was full-blown serialized show, I think it was still too episodic. Were either of you a fan of that show? No, I watched the first three episodes and uh, stopped for the same reasons that you did. Yeah, yeah, I, I never saw it. Um, Ki Chung writes in that we should definitely watch uh, The Expanse. Uh, last season was the best season of sci-fi currently on TV. Um, I've heard many people recommending The Expanse. I've only watched the first two episodes, and I, I was watching it with my girlfriend, Kitra, who just was not having it. So maybe I'm going to give it a go without her, um, because I've heard so much good things about The Expanse, and I know neither of you watched The Expanse, right? No. Yeah. Um, Mike T writes in suggesting uh, Peep Show. It's a British comedy, nine seasons, each better than the last, and it's serialized. Very dark. One of the few comedies that warrants repeat viewings is on Hulu and Amazon Prime. Have either of you been to the Peep Show? 
<laughs> been to the peep show. Yes. No. Um, and uh, uh, movie geek blog writes in that uh, the Americans, the good wife, are some of the best. And also, have you seen Murder One? What is Murder One? Have you, either of you guys seen Murder One? No. no. I feel. I feel like, I feel like uh, these these shows are like on the on the fringe like i i, I well, never I hear did, anyone talking about these shows well i did ask for things that i probably wouldn't have seen which is kind of funny because people are sending in like recommendations like have you seen mad men i'm like <laughs> yes i've seen Mad Men." <laughs> um, have you ever heard of this show it's called frazier <laughs> and uh david chen from the slash film cast uh tweeted me that he just heard the recent episode of slash daily and if you have Hulu, I think you should check out these, uh, pointing to classic episodes of ER. It's truly was groundbreaking and probably still holds up. So uh, David Chen is in uh, the side with um, Jacob uh, in pushing ER. Did you? Do you guys have a history with ER at all? No. Uh, I'm no. I'm act- my wife and I are actually in the midst of watching it on Hulu and. Uh, we're in the much later seasons now, which are awful. But the first few seasons with the original cast are uh, incredible. They're they, they. It's one of those shows that really does live up to the hype, at least for the first like five seasons. Hmm. I may have to give it a chance then. Um, you should, and then stop before it gets bad. <laughs> gets bad. Okay. Uh, we actually have like a question here. Uh, this one is Michael O. from Nashville, Tennessee, writes in to ask a question about physical media. He wonders when will retail stores like GameStop suffer the same fate as Blockbuster, um, or will they? So uh, I guess, you know, our biggest physical media person here, Chris, right? You you have a lot of physical media still. Yeah. Um, Do you think, like, how long do you think physical media has left to it? And do you think like a store like GameStop will will you know suffer the same fate as Blockbuster? I mean, I think physical media itself will always exist in some format, but I am surprised stuff like GameStop is even still around because it just seems like more and more people are just downloading their games. I don't really play games, so I'm not as up to date on it, but I'm sure sooner or later those stores are going to suffer the same uh, tragic fate as Blockbuster. But I I do think physical media will always be around in some form. It won't be as prevalent as it once was, obviously, but it's still going to exist. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're still making vinyl records, you know, it's going to be around in that kind of more of a niche aspect. I, I do think, you know, the next generation of gaming consoles, they're already talking about they won't have, you know dvd drives or whatever that you'll be downloading the games from a server and i think at that point it's it's done for gamestop i mean gamestop if you've walked into gamestop in the last couple years you see that they they've they see that future coming like half that store is now like funko pops uh collectibles uh you know uh geeky kind of collectibles uh and um They've even started selling board games, which I think <laughs> shows you that they, they, they know the end is near. Uh, HT, what do, what do you think? Do you think uh, – how many years does physical media have? Um, I Yeah, I'm, I'm also on the same boat of being surprised that GameStop is still around because anecdotally, 
I haven't been in a GameStop for, I don't know, a decade at least. And um, there's still like a few, several stores like around the, the country, which is surprising to me. And I feel like, especially for video games, a lot of people tend to pre-order them because there's so much hype around their release and people want to get them as much as possible. So they just skip the store entirely. Well, so, they, they have um, deals with the stores. Like if you, mm. I'm not a big video gamer, but like they'll, if you pre-order a game at GameStop, you'll get a special like in-game thing that mm. you couldn't get otherwise. So like, I think that is incentivizing people still going to the stores. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I that's, good to know but i do think that it's kind of written in the end the end is kind of written for gamestop at some point although i will say in terms of you know vinyls or even cassettes being sold they're at their urban outfitters for example is kind of selling these like vinyls and cassettes as like novelty items which i think is hilarious i think at this point they're even selling um mixed cds (laughs) uh, which is just so funny to me as 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 novelty items. So um, I'm sure, like as long as there's a nostalgia amongst the younger generation for a time of analog technology, then physical media will be around, but not in the way that it used to be. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious. Like even, you know, you go into a Best Buy, and there's still a few rows of like DVDs and Blu-rays. Like it's still kind of a big thing it's not as big as it when it once was like i remember when that whole middle section of the best buy was just the media section like when i worked there ages ago (laughs) decades ago at this point like that whole middle section was the media section so that was all cds dv and dvds at the time and now it's only like a few rows of like dvds um but it's still there and i'm wondering how long that's gonna last um i don't know it's going to be interesting, especially with, like, this Disney streaming service launching. Like, I'm wondering how many people are actually going to be buying Disney releases if, like, they have access to everything on that streaming service for, like, eight bucks a month. Like, it just doesn't seem like a viable thing. At the same time, you know, it's worth noting that uh, nothing is permanent. I mean, look at Filmstruck. Uh, yeah. Everyone was so excited about that as I was, and now it's going away. So, I mean, obviously Disney has more money yeah. than Filmstruck, but you never know. <laughs> but I think I think even you, Chris, would bet your money that Disney streaming service will probably be around in 10 years and probably wouldn't have bet your money that Filmstruck would have been around in 10 years. Oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm shocked if any of us will be around in 10 years, honestly, at this point. But <laughs> Yeah. Okay, let's get to one last question. This one's kind of a, a, uh, an interesting one. Uh, it's from uh, a listener named Washim, uh, who is, writes in that uh, he's wondering what the best movie-going experience you can recommend when it comes to just visually enjoying a film. Super large screens really don't matter to me much to me. I feel like... I can always sit closer if I want everything projected large. I'm mainly about contrast, color, clarity, and deep blacks, and overall brightness. Are the premium offerings from standard digital projection really worth it when it comes to those visuals? If so, which theater chains stand out? Um, Especially, can you rank based on visuals and not necessarily on sound, food, seats, etc.? A very specific question here. Um, Chris, do you have any, uh, preference on just in terms of visual quality? I mean, I feel like beggars can't be choosers anymore, especially 
where I live, where there aren't really great theaters. I will say uh, one of the best theatrical experiences I ever had was I went to the Metrograph, which is in New York, and that's a fantastic theater. And I saw uh, Carol on 35 millimeter right around Christmas time. And it was uh, one of like the best experiences of my life. Like just the visual quality, uh, you know, I don't want to be one of those. I, I feel like people get too hung up over, you know, film is, you know, sacred. And if it's not actual film projection, it's you know, blah, blah, blah. But it does look amazing. It does look, I mean, it looks the way film should look in my mind. Yeah. You can see the grain, you can see the texture. Uh, I feel like <laughs> digital projection sometimes looks too clean as weird as that may sound. It looks too artificial. So but, you know, like I said, beggars can't be choosers. Very few theaters offer that these days. So as long as the... Well, I, I don't think he's necessarily asking about film projection, but just like the best overall, you know, visual like uh, experience. I mean, for me, the best experience is an empty theater where I'm the only one there. No one's eating friggin' chips behind me. I'm just alone and the, the, the image uh, never blurs or flips upside down as long as that happens because i've been in theaters where the image will literally accidentally <laughs> flip upside down because what? no one's because no one you know most most theaters now they don't even have projectionists they have machines running their projectors because it's it's cheaper and you can you can auto you know you can automate all of that and you know there's no one manning the store so to speak yeah but the digital file shouldn't flip upside down <laughs> Hey, I don't, don't ask me how it's it's happened. Wait, I, I know he's not asking about food, but you did mention people munching on stuff behind you. Have you ever been to an Alamo Draft House or to one of those kind of theaters? No, I haven't. And uh, See, I curi- know pe- I'm curious what yeah. you would have, would think about that. I am too, because you know I, I've always wanted to visit an Alamo because I hear such great things about it. But I I don't know. I really hate when people are eating around me. Like I have a friend. He's like, he can't go to the movies unless he gets a snack. And I never get snacks at the movies. I'm just there for the movie. But, you know, I'm a lunatic, so I I don't know. I'm a snacker. Um, I love popcorn, so I definitely would not be able to go to a movie with you, Chris. (laughs) Yeah. um, I See, it's very hard for me to differentiate just the visual quality and not the sound and the seats and everything. I feel like it all adds up to an experience to me. And I, I, I also don't agree with this guy that like, if I want a bigger screen, I could just sit closer to the screen. That sounds like someone, and he even says in his letter that he doesn't have a true IMAX screen near him. So that sounds like someone that hasn't actually experienced the true IMAX screen. Um, but I would say that the best projection I've gotten recently outside of you know, obviously, I see a lot of movies on uh, studio lots, and I'll, uh, th- some of that projection and stuff is some of the best because, you know, they have people that actually care about it. And there's filmmakers actually, you know, editing and grading their, you know, films in those. So, uh, but outside of that, um, I, I really like the Dolby uh, cinemas. Like, I know AMC has them, uh, sometimes combined with their Prime seats. Uh, the, that 4K projection. Uh, the contrast. I'm not. Uh, some of the theaters play this thing that uh, is kind of like this video before that kind of showcases the the contrast and the the colors and everything. And at the end of it, it is a black screen, and then uh, some words come on the screen. And it says, "Yes, the projector's still on," because like it's that black of a screen that like 
usually when you have the projector on and it's a black screen, it's still kind of like a gray because there's some white hidden in the screen. Um, it, it, it's that impressive. So for my money, I think I, I'm liking the the Dolby and uh, Prime cinemas, but those also it, it's also about the sound. You know, you have the, that good Atmos sound. You have those reclining seats. I know this guy doesn't really care about either of those. Uh, <laughs> I think IMAX also, uh, you know, the digital. I actually prefer the digital IMAX now to the real IMAX because I, I think those screen, the the real IMAX, now that they're projecting digitally on those big screens, it's uh, it loses something unless it's a real IMAX film being projected on one of those real IMAX screens. I think the digital IMAX is that, that 4K projection and that sound and uh, it is great. You just got to kind of sit, you know, further back. Um, HD, do you have any preference in theaters vis- visually? So I haven't had a chance to test out a lot of theaters recently, but I did get the AMC A-list recently and I was able to try out Dolby for the first time. And I watched A Star is Born in a Dolby theater and it was just a game-changing experience for me. <laughs> uh, I was like, I yeah, I, I'd never been, I don't think I'd ever been to a Dolby theater before. So just like the crisp, like deep black colors, the, sur- the surround sound by Atmos, it was just an amazing experience because, um, and I was, I remember like it kind of reverberating a lot with that whenever you like song that played and I was I, was, I, yeah, I believe I was all they in. actually have subwoofers underneath the seats which I think is probably Ooh. what you felt uh in most of those theaters um yeah it's incredible like I, it almost um it's hard to compare I, I know we talk about a lot about this AMC A-list uh subscription and it was like, oh, you know, I could see this movie and the matinee and get this price. But, like, once you start doing this and you see – all you do is want to see the movies in these Dolby or Prime theaters because it's, like, the best way to see a movie. Yeah. And, like, Dolby definitely changed my mind, too, because I went a week later to see First Man in IMAX. And it wasn't nearly as, um, as like, a visceral of an experience as Dolby was, which was really fascinating to me. And I had wished I'd gone to see First Man in Dolby which um, I feel like well, I would have gotten that full experience out of it. Chris, have you had any experience with uh, Adobe or Prime? I haven't. Now I'm, I really want to check it out. Uh, I was actually just Googling to see if there's a Dolby theater near me, and there really isn't because I live in the dead zone. Oh. So. Damn. <laughs> Uh, it, it is very impressive, and I, I think also with this AMC A list, because everybody can you know buy that has those subscriptions can get tickets to like I, IMAX and the Prime. You know, those are like the the bigger price theaters. I'm noticing those are selling out, at least in LA, they're selling out much quicker than they used to. And uh, some of my theaters are actually already like adding Adobe Theater on to the you know or converting one of the theaters into Adobe theater, like an additional Adobe theater. So uh, I love AMC A-list <laughs> thus far <laughs> because it, it's improving my options of seeing movies uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, but I'm not sure if we answered this guy's question. I think we did. We did? Okay. Probably. It's a very specific question. It's hard yeah. to <laughs> to narrow yeah. it down. We did our best. Yeah. Yeah, and and he's in Michigan, and he's talking about how he, you know, doesn't have any good theater chains. He has Cinemark and MJR. I don't even know what that is, but yeah. Anyways, uh, I would say if you can, he says he has an AMC near you. Check out your closest like Prime or Adobe Cinema. I know you don't really care about the sound and stuff, but 
uh, I don't know. I, I just think that experience is incredible. But uh, we we have officially gone over and we've hit the end of today's Slash Film Daily. HD, where can people find more of your work online? You can find me every day at SlashFilm.com and I'm on Twitter at HTranBui. Chris, where can we find you? Uh, I'm also SlashFilm.com and I'm on Twitter at Evangelist of 413 And don't forget to send in your life advice questions. I'm I'm itching to answer more. Yes. We and we need like like, you know, it doesn't have to be about movies, you know, it it can be like personal uh, you know, relationship questions. Like what kind of questions are you looking for, Chris? Anything and everything. Give me everything. The the more personal the better. <laughs> expose yourself to me give me i want you to lay your soul bare to me chris evangelista because i'm an expert in all things chris wants like a really uncomfortable question is what he wants uh you can send those to peter at slashfilm.com and you can also send your your feedback questions comments concerns for the mailbag also at peter at slashfilm.com you can find me online at slash home on all social media you can find all the stories we talked about in today's podcast on slash home.com and i will also include all the emails that we uh kind of basically rushed through so if you want to read them in depth they're in the show notes uh this podcast slash home daily is published every weekday on itunes google play overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps and uh please go to itunes give us a five-star rating uh, you know, write us a, a blurb telling everybody why you like this show and uh, we'll see you tomorrow.